Welcome everyone to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners. My name is Mike Wint. And I'm Aaron Spears. This particular type of film on this episode was NC-17 Films. I, I usually write a note, Mike, but I forgot what brought this topic to mind for you at the end of the last episode. Well, I... From what I've heard, the Babylon, which I'm a big fan of, and I know you just got to see, yes. was rumored to have had to have been cut a couple times in order to get an R rating. So it, it did receive the, or at least it was about to receive the infamous uh, NC-17 slap, is gotcha. what you call it. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they slapped with the NC-17. Yeah. Um, but uh so so i don't know it, it was just uh you know because we had been doing we had several different things weeks in a row i i thought it might be kind of good to just throw out a wild card which yeah, is yeah. the nc7 wait it was uh the horror one the new cronenberg's cronenberg's kid oh yes i'm sorry yeah <laughs> what uh okay. infinity pool yes infinity, infinity pool that's pool. what it was yeah yeah that, that was another one it was initially nc17 then they made some very quick edits to get the r by because okay. i believe it played at sundance on like sunday night the yeah you know that week and then friday it was released in theaters r rated right but the the sundance cut was nc-17 okay so quick side question on that then when you hear that something like that happens does that make you want to wait in case the like blu-ray or home video release or streaming release is NC-17 like the original or do you still like, I do want to see it in the theater, though I'll take that R rating? It's a great question because it, it automatically gets my, it gets me intrigued if I hear that something's going to be NC-17. And I'm sure that the R rated version is not going to be cut that much. I, right. I know sometimes it's it's a mere seconds of a shot uh-huh. uh, from what I've heard. Uh, like RoboCop at one time was rated X. And it all has to do with uh, the scene where he's getting like basically where he's getting shot. Um, right, right. Know, blow off his hand. I mean, now there's like unrated cuts that you can see, but mm. that the way how it was like two, two or three seconds of extra blood okay. that was cut out that gave them the R. Like, what the hell's the difference? I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We need four um, frames taken off, and then you're. I'm like, what? Really? Yeah. Um, but I, I've heard the same thing happen with a lot of the Friday the Thirteenth movies in the '80s as well. Like that, so many of them were that had to be recut and cut and cut until they were finally given um, the R. Oh, I don't think I ever heard about that one. With that. Yeah, because a lot of times filmmakers are contractually obligated to deliver an R or a PG. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so when you get that NC-17, you know, it sometimes works out for the best. Sometimes it, it doesn't. Right. Well, that's true too. Cause it also, like you said, you get slapped with that NC-17 and it's, um, another way to say that would be the kiss of death at the box office because right. you're, which seems weird to me cause it, well, we'll get into the kind of rating system in a second, but like yeah. it is the kiss of death because you're not going to be able to get kids in to see the movie, but like they shouldn't be able to get in to see R-rated movies either if the also children, teens running the box <laughs> office are doing their job. But it was also at a time, especially if you're thinking like eighties and the, um, the, the horror slasher stuff of the eighties and nightmare and 
on Elm Street or, or um, other other horror films that would have maybe gone in NC-17 once that was created. Or no, that was created in the 90s, which we'll talk Correct. about. In a second. But yeah. the X, whatever, you know, um, the, the, the bad rating there, like you, you also wouldn't get placement at Blockbuster or like chain video stores or chain movie theaters wouldn't even play it at all. Right. So you, you really are like, well, we're limiting our audience already by doing like a genre film or, um, you know, having too much sexual content or something. Now, on top of that, you know, if the biggest chain of video stores in the country is going to stock your movie, well, what the hell? Like, we can't even make it back on home video, which was a huge, huge market. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I mean, basically, the first exposure that I ever had, I would say, to an NC-17, like, or at least till it came into my consciousness, sure. uh, was, yeah, it was Showgirls. Uh, Showgirls was, like, yeah. the first one that at least seemed to be mainstream that it was in multiple theaters, not just one. Right. Uh, Cause I, I used to, and this is going to make me sound even nerdier than I already am. But <laughs> I, I, I used to like cut from newspapers, you know, when a movie would open and it would say like, you know, say like oh, yeah. it was an ad in the newspaper. I used to cut those out, put them in a, uh, a picture book. Uh, and then like, if I saw the movie, I would like include the ticket. Uh, but then I'd always include the thing at the bottom where it would show like how many theaters it was opening or yeah, something yeah. where it used to show like, you, it would give you the number that you can call or whatever. <laughs> and uh, I remember that one specifically had at least like a dozen theaters yeah. under. So I'm sure that was like, a, a trendsetter a, a, like uh or like unprecedented at the time to have something like rated that yes that commercial that wide yeah well first of all i did the same thing <laughs> those old like peel the plastic up photo albums uh, <laughs> and newspaper ad uh so you're in good company here yes um, absolutely. also um yeah i my first exposure i think was i and i wasn't able to rent it because i wasn't old enough but i saw the sticker like um, it was like a, a, a sticker on the, the VHS for Henry and June mm, at the local okay. video yeah. store I was going to, uh, Curtis Mathis at the time, a little local one here. And it was basically like they put it on there saying like, we're not going to rent this to you unless you're you, over, over 18 or whatever it was. Yeah. So like it wasn't even the rating itself, but it was just like, don't even try. So then me, of course, I'm like, oh, because it was one of those live stores where the box is in front and there was a plastic case <laughs> behind yeah. it. And I was like, well, they're not going to see the sticker on the the VHS tape itself. And, um, they didn't, so I was able to, to rent it anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was, uh, nice, but th- that was in the era of like showgirls was, was coming out as well. And that was like, what put NC 17, like on my, on my radar, um, as well. I haven't watched it yet, but there's that documentary. You don't Naomi about like the cult of showgirls. I, I, I'm yeah, wondering yeah. if something might be, um, addressed in there. Cause it, it was like, it played it. I watched it at a regal cinema when I was down in Dayton at the time in film school. Uh, showgirls that is so like yeah. it did get some wide i'm pretty sure it was regal but it was a chain either way so like it was out oh, yeah wide. Um, yeah so yeah that unfortunately that didn't like open the floodgates because we didn't get a ton of like regular nc-17 films after that no i mean so, looking looking at like the it, at least from uh our friend wikipedia um you know i counted i 67 total films that have been rated NC-17. And that includes some that were uh, originally given X ratings and then they were they yeah. rated for NC-17. So it is it is that super rare thing. Yeah. Even in, in recent years, 
it looks like in the 2010s that, you know, there were probably about 10 films that got that. And, um, yeah, I'm looking at like nine, yeah, nine or 10 right here. Yeah. And the most recent was, was, uh, Andrew Dominic's Blonde, um, which I think we might have talked about on another episode, which I, I did not really particularly care for that movie. Uh, but, but hey, I, I give Netflix at least some credit for being willing to, uh, Put put in NC seventeen rated. Oh, absolutely. Service. I think that's you know it's a uh, it's a barrier breaker uh, basically. Let's hope so because I okay. So this is another topic I wanted to mention too. I will mention maybe a little bit of the history ratings or whatever in a minute. But this idea and I keep I keep seeing it kind of floating around either on letterbox lists or uh, film Twitter. This idea of how Hollywood is just this sexless film industry right. now. Yeah, and I totally agree with it. And I liked the trend. Well, I don't know if it's going to be a trend because it seems like the overwhelming majority of people don't like Blonde, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> but the thing I was like, I was like, wait, but Netflix also had a surprise hit on their hands with the 365 Days, which was yeah. I think, a Polish production, if I remember correctly. And then two yeah. sequels that also came out. I've watched all three of them. Um, and they're, you know, I actually I didn't look up. I don't know if they that can't be NC-17 because they're saying that was Blonde was the first one on Netflix or maybe the first yeah. Netflix produced. Yes, uh, seventeen, but they're very overtly sexual um, in nature. It's there's some violence to it, but it's it'd be it'd be rated NC seventeen for sex. Yeah. Also, and those were huge. Like we mentioned before, how um, you even have mentioned the phrase uh, "you've been flicked." We're like, it comes out on Netflix, and then no one knows it's there, and then you go yeah. back, and you're like, oh shit, there's a Richard Linklater movie I never even heard of, and I'm paying attention. Yeah, um, just sitting there on Netflix. 365 days should have easily been just this thing that was like, oh, we bought this movie, put it on Netflix, there we go. But like, it actually kind of blew up and had a moment because like, there's grownups who enjoy like sex in their movies. Like, yeah. it's a legitimate uh, thing to have in there. And then I was like, well, Hollywood's version of that would be Fifty Shades of Grey. You got a trilogy there, right? So I looked that one up. One point three billion dollars at the box office for that trilogy, <sighs> regardless of the quality of the films yeah. in general. <laughs> but like, there's there's a, there's a market for it. Like Hollywood is there to make money. Like why not do this sort of movie also as a follow-up 40 to $50 million budgets for all of the 50 shades movies individually. So yeah. they didn't go, you know, crazy with the budgets. So maybe it's one of those, like there's no room for that mid budget movie anymore in Hollywood, but like the appetite for those, the desire uh, for those, you know, explicit sexual content is clearly there, I think with a certain amount of the audience. Like, yeah. I'm like getting, marvel or star wars or you know like no they're not tackling this kind of material yeah no you're absolutely right about that the mid-size budget uh studio film i i think universal is starting to kind of bring some of those back uh especially this year with cocaine bear and like megan uh, okay you know some i think the budgets of those are like between 20 and 30 or something like that you know i i hope and you know maybe if they do more risque stuff i i don't know it, it's kind of interesting that universal is the one that's leading the charge on that but uh but yeah it's i don't know <laughs> i mean also like my my day job being a librarian like the erotic novel like those circulate like crazy they're all paperbacks and i the section's right next to the anime which is right by where i work yeah. and those spines are broken in like people are reading them <laughs> like, the, the the stories are out there i don't understand why they're not being filmed or i mean let's just skip right to the next that the other part of the industry like the porn industry like it's a yeah. you know booming multi-billion dollar at times depending on the years throughout history 
you know, makes more money than Hollywood does. Like it's there. So like, I don't know why they don't kind of commingle a little bit better. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a billion dollar industry. <laughs> the, yeah. the film industry that is, you know, it's like, yeah. Maybe Marvel, Marvel studio executives are just like, well, there's porn. Who cares? We don't need sex in our movie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get people talking, but right. uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was surprised to find I like NC 17 has just been there in my head as part of the rating system as like, basically I, I think of most of like my whole adult life. And I was like, wait, wait I did. I would have guessed it started like probably in the eighties at some point, but it, it was a, a rating that debuted in 1990, uh, which yeah. I thought was like, what? No, I was like going to the movies that, well, not like consciously going to the movies the way I do now, but like I was into, I looked forward to going to the movies with my family when I was a kid and. I was like, oh, 1990, that's pretty wild. I did find that there was even before that um, when there was, you know, X was an actual rating. The MPAA debuted all the way back in like 68, I think. But that was the one they didn't trademark for whatever reason. It was like a self-applied label, which is why you got triple X in the porn industry kind of went nuts with that. I found there was a Tennessee law that up until I think... I think it was 19, well, let's ignore the dates, but there was a Tennessee law before the implementation of NC-17 that made admitting um, minors to an X-rated film. So like if you or I are working at the box office and we just sold them, you know, an X-rated ticket to Midnight Cowboy or whatever, um, (laughs) it was a misdemeanor. Like it was like the law would get involved. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, that's, I don't know, weird. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's only been around since 1990. And at that point, too, it was NC-17, meaning you could be 17 and older and still see it. And then they tweaked it a little bit. I think it was like mid to late 90s where it was like, no, 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 it's no children 17 and under. So you have to be this 18 plus um, yeah. age, uh, which is like, oh, all right. Well, that's kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, the history of ratings is really, really odd where like the PG rating originally when it debuted was M for mature, which you're like, that doesn't sound like right, <laughs> Right. Kind of weird. Yeah. The... Um... From what I like doing a little research for this episode, it sounds like uh, Wild at Heart was another movie that was very, very close to getting an X, which it came out in 90. And then a few months later, the NC-17 was. Oh, interesting. So I don't know if if Wild at Heart is the one that that kind (laughs) of got them to like reconfigure uh, because, you know, obviously we. A lot of us obviously know that you know the PG thirteen was was introduced after uh, the heart scene in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You know, yeah. uh, that's because it was like it wasn't going that's up PG. the bar, but right. you know, it, you know, they still wanted families to go see it. So who knows? Maybe Wild at Heart was that was that film? Or just that, like, yeah, like the the last straw. Yes. Like, okay, we yeah. need to do something about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, I, I look at some of the history to it. When the rating system was first introduced, it was because the production code or what they call the Hayes Code had been in, in place since like 36, I think. And like the, the the general societal values that would get a Hayes Code or like the original kind of censorship rating system going in 36 is not the same by the late 60s. Like that's ridiculous. Right. Like the way I mean, picture society, American society in the 60s, like it's pretty wild and calls for change and social revolution and all that stuff. But then finally, as a filmmaker, to have like a tiered system where you could make uh, an X-rated movie, not in a pornographic sense, but in like um, this is for uh, adult audiences. Grownups going to the movies can go see this movie. Man, all of a sudden, like the immediate freedom to like make a movie that is not aimed at the whole family. Yeah. 
had to have been pretty liberating. And you get like, I mean, within like a year of X debut and you get Midnight Cowboy getting a Best Picture winner is rated X, which sounds weird to this day. But um, all of those ones that were X, I think, have been either retroactively either rated R because, well, it actually isn't that bad. Um, it was just a shock to the system sort of thing. Or they've been retroactively NC-17 since that since that that rating debuted. Yeah, I kind of have to look into it because I I am curious, like what the what the public perception was like when Midnight Cowboy won. You know, I, I wonder if there was a bunch of like think pieces, like oh, like we're letting Smut win the, <laughs> the award. But you know, when you see that movie now, I think it's it's kind of relatively tame as compared to yeah. things that come after it. But sure, but hey, you know, the fact that it was that another barrier breaking um yeah, absolutely. To, you know to get that recognition and i'm sure it, you can find those think pieces but i i think it's also an element of um you know this was meant for for adults so like it's not you know it's not quite the pearl clutching um outrage <laughs> yeah. that i mean which i'm sure was going on somewhere there but at the same time it was like well this is sort of what the system was invented for this is why we rated well, it so you know don't send your children off to see a matinee this on saturday afternoon or, or whatever <laughs> But yeah, well, so I think that's a pretty good context. Um, should we jump into some uh, honorable mentions? Sure, sure. You want to start us off, Mike? Absolutely. Um, so I, the first NC-17 movie I did see was Showgirls. Um, you know, I, I was able to get a copy uh, at my local video store. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like 12-ish. <laughs> yeah, um, which was not a blockbuster. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then... a. Two years late, two or three years later, uh, one came out that I that I really enjoy. You know, I actually I watch this usually like once a year. It's Orgasmo oh, really? uh, <laughs> from uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who created South Park. And uh, you know, it's basically about you know this young uh, Mormon missionary who ends up working in the uh, you know the porn industry. Um, (laughs) and, uh, it has like some really, it has some really funny moments. It has like, uh, it has like some songs that, that sometimes I'll listen to. (laughs) Oh yeah. I forgot about some of the songs. Yeah, that's right. I think, well, I think the song is like, you know, like now you're a man. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> uh, which is sometimes one of my karaoke jams. I'm not gonna... <laughs> oh, nice, nice. <laughs> but you know, obviously, this was—I believe this was created before they—they uh, they got South Park. But uh, you know, obviously, put them put them on the map, and they are now—they have to be close to billionaires if they're not, or at least very high multi-millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, that was one. It's like I remember. Uh, getting a copy of it and I had to kind of hide uh, from my parents to watch it like in my, <laughs> my room. but um, you know maybe that one is like somewhat tame ish uh, for and I mean it did push certain taboos but yeah. it, it, but you know it's um it's not probably as explicit as most NC-17 movies are. Yeah, I wonder if that was like resubmitted now, if it would get like an R. Probably. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure like the copies that you bought, like if, if you go on Amazon, it probably says R unrated, you know? Oh, right, right. A lot of, I think there's a lot of movies that skirt that. Like another one that came out recent killer Joe, for example. Yeah. Uh, the William Freakin movie. I think it's uh, now if you get it on on physical media, it's it's just called unrated. But it was, okay. 
It was NC-17 when I saw it at the Capitol Theater. Yeah, yeah. One question on Orgasmo. Did you watch it on VHS or DVD? VHS. What color was the VHS tape? Was it one of those like red or orange ones? I, I'm pretty sure it was it, it was not Standard. colored. I think it okay. was just, yeah, it was just black. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the VHS I worked at had the, you know, the adult section with the, the curtain and everything. Yes. And you could tell because it wasn't a live store. They brought the box to the counter and then we'd go get the actual <laughs> copy. And you could see behind the counter, like, which it was either a Nickelodeon, you know, sprinkled into the, the kids sure. section. Or there was one wall where it was just like all, you know, red and orange and green. You're like, well, that's that's the porn section over there. You could just sort of tell. Uh, and so, you know, they're making a movie, uh, you know, a satire of the porn industry with some Mormons. I thought, oh, that'd be kind of clever if they got a yeah. color. Uh, color. Well, they, again, like you said, they were kind of up and comers at the time. It wasn't, um, you know, they, were, they didn't have the power of South Park, like years and years yeah. of South Park behind them at that time. But um, <laughs> interesting. How about you? <laughs> So kind of in a curiosity way, I was trying to track down a movie and I don't know if I would have ended up enjoying it or not, but I was really trying to track down an Andrew Dice Clay special called Dice Rules. <laughs> I've never seen it and I, I'm not, I've listened to maybe like a CD of his way back when CDs were still a thing and it wasn't my kind of stand up comedy. But the fact you could have a stand up comedy, like a concert film basically then rated NC-17 for words i mean let's see whips it out on stage which i don't think he does but um i was like man it's words and it got him an nc-17 i really want to see this so i'm still hunting that one down but i just wanted to share yeah. that it was like there's a stand-up comedy special that's nc-17 that's wild and now i really <laughs> yeah. uh i really need yeah. to track that down Dirty shit. <laughs> but uh i so I, I went with one i also I entirely stayed within um, like the uh, the sexual realm of NC-17. I didn't go into sure. like horror, like Infinity Pool, or I know there's like some of the new French extremity movies are very, you know, NC-17 for horror. I stayed within like, because I think sexually explicit material is also harsher, uh, harshly yeah. graded by the MPAA. And I want to be like, am I even going to be shocked by anything that's in uh, these movies? Um, one I did really, really enjoy, though, and I think this could have been like a trendsetter sort of thing is Ang Lee's Lust Caution mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from 2007. Um, I've been working at the Art House Theater for maybe a year or two, at the, I think about a year at the time. And I was like, oh, sweet, the new Ang Lee movie's coming out. And it was, you know, it's set in like, from like the late 30s to the early 40s. And like, I think it's Hong Kong and Shanghai kind of uh, telling the story of like a student movement who's trying to infiltrate and kill this like, you know, oppressive political leader or whatever. But um, yeah, it's Ang Lee. You got Tony Lung in there. Um, Tang Wai, who was, I think maybe her first role even, but it's a very like piece of like, interesting, erotic political thriller, I would say. Um, again, like two and a half hours, you know, Ang Lee crafts a story and creates it. And, you know, Tony Lung's just being fucking cool as shit and, you know, awesome yeah. as he always is. But it's like highly eroticized, and it was like definitely earns its uh, its NC seventeen rating. But that one's oh, also it's like steamy quality it is. cinema it's with you know I guess the appropriate rating if you want to harshly judge you know sexuality on screen. But yeah, no, I I agree that that one's great. It is yeah, it's a you know made me blush a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That'd be true. Oh, so like I stayed late because we were selling films. So I built the print. And I was like, well, I'm watching the Ang Lee movie. I guess I'll be leaving at three o'clock in the morning because it's huge. Um, yeah. When you would do, um, we, well, you know, as a former theater worker, like, you had to do walkthroughs, make sure everybody's behaving themselves. Yeah. Uh, not in that way in that movie, but just in general, like everybody's behaving. And I remember just doing walkthroughs in there. We were like, all right, who's looking uncomfortable in here? Oh, oh, that might be a first date over there. They're shifting their seat a lot. And <laughs> it was fun to see the audience reaction to uh, to that kind of material. Any other um, honorable mentions? 
Yeah. Uh, so also at the at the very same art house, uh, I I got to see the first film that I ever saw from Steve McQueen, which was Shame, uh, which came out oh, yeah. in 2011. Awesome performance from Michael Fassbender. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's basically this uh, sex obsessed uh, man who, uh, you know, frequently meeting some prostitutes. <laughs> yep. um, but, um, you know, he starts to uh, form this uh, uh, bond with, with a woman. And then also his sister starts to stay with him. Um, I, I don't remember a ton about it. I just remember being so engrossed with that movie at the time. I, I haven't really revisited it, unfortunately, since I saw it. But uh, it immediately kind of shot towards the top of my best of that year yeah. uh, list. And uh, it, it has like a very uh, kind of moody trance that it puts you over. And, yeah. uh, and you know, it's, yeah, it, it's just, it's one of those, like, it's a pretty unforgettable movie. I, I wish I'm explaining the plot a lot better, <laughs> but, uh, but no, it's, uh, but it was just one that uh, at the time, I mean, cause I think before that there hadn't been that many NC-17 movies for a little while. Um, so that one, it, it immediately kind of grabbed my attention because it got that rating. Yeah. Uh, but, but then also once I started hearing all the great reviews, it was one that I immediately sought out to, to go see. No, I think it's a good pair with less caution. Cause like that also get, that's 2007. When was shame? Like, uh, 2011 I think. okay so yeah a few years later so like you have like two stellar like acknowledged because uh steve mcqueen had made hunger by then yeah by the way i same as you i saw shame first then i went and found hunger but yeah you have two like world at that point world-renowned directors that are you know like yeah we'll just embrace this we'll make it nc-17 and if you're old enough to go see it you'll go see it and, yeah uh, yeah, I remember that one really affected me. I have a lot of like memory of like blues and greens because like he's very affluent. I think like New York City guy who's just got a yeah. sex addiction and all yeah. like how deep and dark that could actually take you um, yeah. within your life as well too. Well, um, and I think I, I remember very distinctly and I'm not even like looking at the like the picture right now, but the the poster uh, yeah. is just like of a of a bed, like yep. an unmade bed. Yeah. Uh, that brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. There's so many scenes that take place in bed. <laughs> yeah, it's like messy sheet. Or yes. like uh disheveled, not messy, messy, but you know what right. I mean. Sorry. I mean it's about sex addiction. You gotta be a little clear on <laughs> the last honorable mention one I have, just being a big documentary fan, I was like, were there ever documentaries? Like, holy crap, I totally forgot about um a couple of them that I'd seen, but the one I wanted to choose to highlight is actually um inside Deep Throat. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. 2005. So a couple of years even before um, Lust Caution. But it's a documentary all about the golden age of porn or porn chic, as it could be called. Like yes. when the X rating came around, that was not the invention of porn, but the popularization that came about once they started branding it as triple X and like no people know what they were going for. And then somehow it became cool within the culture. Like you can find clips on YouTube of like Barbara Walters and Walter Cronkite talking about going to see like Deep Throat in the theater. So like the original, <laughs> you know, OG, you know, adult movie there um, in the late 60s or 70s. I kind of forget when that one came out now. But you're making a documentary about the cultural impact that like, you know, porn theaters were a thing. And there were they were not like tons and tons of them like the uh, normal theaters. But like it was popularized, like adults were just like, oh, let's go see that, you know, uh, behind the green door or the opening the Misty Beethoven. Like there's all these 
movies that if you look at like they're making like millions and millions and millions of dollars at the box office. And this documentary takes a look at that era by really diving into um, Deep Throat as, as a film and kind of examining the cultural impact of it. And you can make a rated R movie about that. But at the same time, with the subject matter like that, like, let's just be NC-17. Come on. Yes. Uh, so it's yeah. already niche to begin with what it's doing, uh, you know, in a documentary for one and then the topic for two. And then you're also slapping it with an NC-17. You're like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you weren't gonna be able to rent that at any blockbusters that was still around. I remember I rewatching it with Netflix through the mail discs, and I was like, "Is it NC seventeen? Okay, it's the actual one." Because <laughs> why would I bother with the rated R one? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what uh, what have you got for your watch challenge, Mike? What's your what's your pick for NC seventeen films? Okay, so what I decided to do, I was I was going through that list, and uh, I had to. Uh, once again, <laughs> cliche at this point, but uh, opened up a criterion that I had not uh, opened just yet. <laughs> um, and it's one that I should have seen by now. And I'm glad that I did finally watch Ooh, it. It's okay. You could probably maybe guess what it is, but I'm uh, really not sure now. It is John Waters' Pink Flamingos. Oh, okay. The original trailer New Line Cinema used to sell Pink Flamingos. Notice, no footage from the actual movie is ever shown. How did you happen to hear about it? From some friends who saw it and thought it was absolutely marvelous. Probably, I'll be very insulted. Rex Reed <laughs> told us that it's uh, fabulous. It's fantastic. It's the third time I've been to it. It's an incredible head thing for people. Oh, it's marvelous. Absolutely. Most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Not to be believed. Absolutely outrageous. It was divine. Fabulous. That was even better than Cries and Whispers. I think it's the future of city living. He's got a couple of NC-17s, I think. Yes. Yeah. Like A, a Dirty Shame, which uh, That's the one, yeah. the last film, you know, that or his last his last uh, I think he's he says he's planning to make another one which is which would be great but uh, Pink Flamingos was originally rated X uh, and it was re-rated NC-17 in the early 90s -hmm. but you know for anybody who's never seen it uh, it's you know the basic plot you know you have uh, Divine who uh, (laughs) plays Babs Johnson uh, under this pseudonym and lives in this basically this uh, trailer home and considers herself the she's the filthiest person alive yes uh <laughs> but then then there's also this uh this couple who are also very detestable people who are kidnapping babies and they're they're also kidnapping women and impregnating them and uh so then it all comes to head you know to this uh to this final conf- you know to this confrontation and um yeah, there there's a lot of very funny lines in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I I was laughing throughout. I and I know it's probably it probably wasn't the point, but at the time, but there some of the performances not very good. <laughs> um, like the woman who plays Divine's mom is <laughs> is like so lovable, but she is not a. Good, good actors by any stretch of the magic and if uh if our friend dave huffman's listening to this i'm sorry i did she just was not not a good actress well what wasn't it also notoriously like he made it for like 
20,000. Like it's, it's, yes, it's just yeah. him and his, like whoever you could recruit in the Baltimore area to like make this thing. So like, you're not yeah. getting that, cream of the crop local acting even. Right. Right. And that's the thing that I, that I really enjoyed about it. And I think, you know, a lot of times when you're watching movies, you, sh- you just watch it objectively of what's happening on the screen. But I just sure. picture this whole like groundswell of, you know, young professionals at that time who were just, rallying around this guy who had yeah. an idea in a camera yeah. and there's something so endearing about that and uh, scrappy and i can see why it was a huge like midnight hit you know back in the day where people were just going back and you know to see it just because of some of the things that happen especially at the like the very last thing in the movie is you know a very disgusting but memorable scene <laughs> yeah uh, featuring divine and uh and obviously and divine is like clearly the standout in this movie of course i mean it's yeah. centered around divine but divine was such a great uh actor uh like just so many the way her delivery and, and everything is just so awesome so i i'm glad that i finally took this plunge because it, it came out in a nice uh, set that uh, they put out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they put it out uh, in uh, coinciding with like pride month or something like that. And uh, you know, so I think now all of, almost all of John Waters films are in the criteria. And I think the only one that hasn't is a dirty shame and pecker, okay. maybe the ones that are owned by Warner brother. I, I don't Eventually they'll probably all. Oh yeah. Out. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's uh, I'm glad that I finally, got this one because i've seen almost all all his other movies but for Mm. that one for a long time wasn't really readily available on dvd and it very rarely streams or is shown on tv anywhere as well so so yes pink flamingos i'm i'm glad it's finally off my my watch list what was what year did you say again was 72 Two seventy-two. Okay, so also very early in the rating system, just period, kind of like what we're talking about. Like, so the yeah. freedom to like you can make this. Also, that time period. Luckily, you have like handheld cameras are a little bit yep. easier to work with. So yeah, you got John Waters now. Uh, find somebody like Divine. Like, oh, you're clearly a star. Like, okay, we could do something with this. Yeah, and you know, it's it's the definition of like regional filmmaking at that point too. Yeah, um, yeah, which is awesome. Um, but I was gonna say ratings wise too. Um. I believe that's the same year as Last Tango in Paris. Yes. So you've got kind of an interesting like flourishing of like, oh, let's push some boundaries. And so maybe the lack of it nowadays is like what boundaries are left to push in a modern era? I don't know. I'm sure yeah. John Waters, if he makes one more movie, please push some boundaries. I want to see <laughs> yes. what you can do. I mean, at the same time, though, you, you could push boundaries and you could end up also, I think, with NC-17 rating, like something like a Serbian film. Yes. Which oh, is like, yeah. in my opinion, would be boundaries. I didn't need pushed. And right. I... I'm slightly scarred because I've seen that movie. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Not ready to revisit that one anytime soon. I will never be revisiting <laughs> that one. But um, I did think of it as I was flipping through here. And I was just like, I'm not even going to be honorable to mention that. If anything else, I want to just deride that movie for being <laughs> awful. Although, like you did, uh, I, I went to, with a 70s movie. Excellent. And so technically, uh, you know, it is a retroactively rated um, NC-17 and again, I, since I was specifically looking um, at more of like the the sexual angle of getting an NC-17 rating, I, I went with the movie called The Story of O mm, from okay. 1975. Banned since 1975. She answered only with her initial, O. 
Submit to the passion. What we have to do is get tears out of her. Submit to the pleasure. You remain constantly at the disposition of anyone who wishes to use you any way he wants, whenever he wants. Submit to the story of Earl. So this is a... I have to look up the production here. I forget. It was like France. It's France, Canada, and West Germany because it was 1975. <laughs> um, the name that people would probably recognize... Well. Let's see. So it's it was a book published in '54. Uh, it's all about kind of sadomasochism or S and M kind of training and yeah. treatment of a young lady. The star of the movie or the 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 main character is O. That's all she goes by, which could be <laughs> anything from orgasm to it looks like an orifice. To, I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do with like it's just yeah, um, you know. But so it was a book in '54. It was a French book. Pauline uh, Regier. I'm definitely mispronouncing that name. And then this director comes along. I guess a few directors were looking at trying to make it. The guy did Wages of Fear, I think, at one point was like looking at trying to do it. Okay. And it ended up being this uh, this sculptor, photographer, and then filmmaker called uh, Just uh, Jaken, um, probably mispronouncing that. He had directed Emmanuel, which became like a oh, staple yeah. on, okay, yeah, uh, HBO kid here nodding his head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember that being a staple on like HBO Cinemax, Emmanuel 1, 2, 3, 5, like all that. I remember even the videotapes of the video store we had those. If you didn't want to go to the adult <laughs> section, but you kind of wanted an adult movie, you'd go get the Emmanuel um, ones. Uh, he would also do Lady Chatterley's Lover in like early 80s, I think. But uh, just ended up adapting the story of O. You have uh, Corinne uh, uh, Cl- Clary. Again, I'm, these are French names. I'm fucking them all up. Um, <laughs> she was a Bond girl in Moonraker and went on. I mean, she's still around. She has credits all the way up to like 2021. But this is, you know, her one of her, her debut, I believe. And then the male star is Udu Kier. Oh, OK. Yeah. Man, even when he well, I don't even know how old he was. but This is 1975. So he's a young man. Um, he's a striking young man. Those blue <laughs> eyes are just you can tell why he was getting parts aside from being able to act like piercing, piercing blue eyes. So it's basically a three act structure, as most you know, books, movies, plays are. Act one is her training, uh, which is a completely like you're at the whims of you know any of these men here for sexual pleasure. You don't get a say in the matter. They keep constantly checking back with her to, that she consents to all of this, which I thought was kind of an interesting way to kind of maybe try to not be as misogynist as it kind of comes across as being. Sure. Um, and then act two is like her living as a sub with um, a guy, Sir, Sir Stephen, uh, much, much, much older gentleman from her there. It, it's definitely very erotic at times, but I guess probably within like an S&M community, they'd be like, oh, that's how it works. There's a pleasure and pain mix. So as erotic or as intense as a scene might get, like there's a whipping or punishment or something. You're like, oh, I, okay. I, I, as a litmus test, it's not my community. These are not my people. Sure. <laughs> it was not not really working working for me. But I was like, okay, kind of. I kind of see how this would work as it works as a story. I kind of see how some critics are like, this is very, especially in like seventy five. They're like, this is an anti feminist kind of story to tell. I kind of see the argument. I don't know if I want to spoil anything. I think by the end, the filmmakers and and the creators behind it give themselves a little bit of an out, or at least a discussion point of like okay. that they're not sort of, but. Uh, I was also thinking if it's a, it's a novel written in 1954 and it dives into like S and M and like I, it's about the ownership. Like she keeps saying, like Sir Stevens, like uh, you know, like you own me, I'm yours now. It's like uh, you know, a woman in this case as a possession um, was kind of an interesting thought process to kind of think through. And I was like, well, if you wrote this in 1954, Europeans, Europe itself is coming out of like you know the World War II, but also like Italian fascism is right next door. France was occupied. I think there may be some interesting kind of political reads you can go into something that's 
that's that that this story has to it. But really, what I what I was thinking by the end of it was like, oh, this is a double feature with eyes wide shut. Oh, okay. Because there's a point where she puts on a mask and goes to this like elite party, and you're like, oh, this is like how the um the women at that you know the eyes wide shut you know sex part like this is how they get trained, I guess, amongst the wealthy <laughs> and the rich. And I was like, this is kind of kind of weird, but it was pretty. I mean, it was fascinating. It's very deliberately made. Um, yeah, like I said, the mix is kind of. It didn't seem like it was made like, I mean, I've seen Emmanuel. I remember watching that like as a kid, like on VHS, you know, one and two. And those were more like titillating. Like it was easily a step above like a Playboy Playmate of the Year videotape or something, you know. <laughs> um, this one like has a plot and they're working through some character dynamics. And it isn't all just like uh, heterosexual activity either. Like, oh, experiences um, what she may or may not think is love with another woman. Uh, but like, is that even allowed if, if a man owns you? Like it's. It's interesting. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it that. No, it, I'm like looking at some of these things. This looks kind of, yeah, I think I'm going to add that to my, uh, <laughs> to my list. I mean, like that poster alone is like, woo. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the poster alone is, um, you know, very, I don't know if that's like the original theatrical release yeah. poster, but again, this isn't like, um, I couldn't really find I, I anything about like how it, it did at the box office in America or anything, but it definitely, it, it did well enough that, um, you know, it has survived. It's out. It's available. I think actually I ended up finding it on like Pluto TV for free. Yeah. Um, tons of ads, which are wildly inappropriately placed in this story. <laughs> I got to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, <laughs> I, one of these days we could probably have a, a ranking of the, all the streaming services. Now, Pluto is good, but you're right. There is like, uh, there was one channel in particular you know, we're like my wife and I were, we're going through seasons of something and then yeah. it's like the scenes going along and it just immediately cuts to like, a, there's like no like break. It's just like, right. Yeah, like, like, the old broadcast TV art of a fade to black and then commercial. Yeah. was lost on some of these streaming services. Yeah. It's the same <laughs> five ads pretty much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> over and over. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but um you know i it, it, mild recommend i guess on my part um yeah. this one if if you're ready for that type of a movie um and i don't know i i i, I see where some of the criticism comes from i think it gives itself an out by the end to in an out in that you will want to discuss it maybe like yeah is that really or what are they doing here? like there, there's some conversations to be had with it there but um yeah so our official watch challenge picks for NC-17 films are Pink Flamingos from 1972 and The Story of O from 1975. Aaron, what challenge do we have in front of us for next time? So our next challenge, I think, is a topic that's pretty near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is good, bad movies. Mm. So there are definitely bad movies out there that <laughs> I would not recommend. See my previous comments on a Serbian film. Uh, that like you just you cannot recommend to anybody. You're like it's just bad. And if I recommended it, people would not trust me anymore if I recommended anything else. We're not talking about that kind. We're talking about the good bad movies. I guess we could just say right now, I don't think either of us are gonna pick the room. But we both <laughs> love, but that's that's kind of what we're going for, I think. You know, dear, it's like, my, yes, it yeah. both to our hearts. <laughs> good, good good bad films. And uh I, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna dive a little deep on this one because I feel like if you just Google that, the plan nines, the room, and we're like, yeah. okay, well it's birdemic. I'm gonna dive Dive in a little deeper here and see what we come up with. So, 
If you have, uh, if you like to send us your picks for good, bad films, or suggest a topic or genre you like covered on a future show, please email us watchchallengepodcast at gmail.com or in the links in the show notes. Indeed. And until next time, folks, rate review the show in whatever podcast app you are using, and we'll see you with the next challenge. Mm-hmm.